But first meet Robert Pomeroy, skip to his mates at the University of California, San Diego campus. Well, we're not using seaweed per se, but it started back with the desire to create algae-based biofuels. Petroleum is going to run out. The world runs on this stuff. And all petroleum is is ancient algae. So we were working on ways to grow and cultivate and extract these things and turn them into biofuels. The biofuel market, though, was really tough because the petroleum market would down market every time, and so it kept putting everybody out of business. You know, bananas are more per pound than gasoline. Gasoline's a commodity that's had 100 years to really increase the capacity by scale and reduce costs. So we decided then to pivot by making something of higher value from the same materials. And so we chose polyols and the polyurethane industry. It's a very large plastics industry. But we also felt that when we did this, we can maintain within the molecules themselves features which the microorganisms could take apart. So there were two goals here. It was to make a product that could help us get to the quantity of scale to meet biofuels in the future. But also, in the meantime, could we make a plastic that would be every bit as good and durable as any petroleum-based product, but not last thousands or even millions of years in a landfill? And we were really spurred on by seeing all the plastic trash in the ocean and those pictures of the plastic garbage patch, you know, and the idea of saying, we have to do something about that. So what products have you made? We started off, our very first project was to make surfboards. And I know that seems sort of weird, but we're in a surfing community here in Southern California. But actually, there's a lot of good engineering in that because you have to make the foam that has to have a certain strength to weight ratio. And it's got to have a certain amount of flex in it, cell size. So our look at it was to say, we're going to learn how to make these foams from these products, but not do anything where we compromise quality. And so we actually made surfboard foam that was actually compatible in a local surfboard company in town here makes those surfboards for us. But some of the best surfers in the world have surfed on that surfboard. How incredible. I hear flip-flops and uh, shoes and so on. Yeah, so when we did this, we got a lot of press out of the surfboard thing because it's sort of unique. But there's no, not that many surfboards made in the world. But we were approached by companies to say, hey, if you can make rigid foams, we think you can make soft foams. And so we got into the idea of saying, okay, so what's a low entry point for a shoe is a flip-flop. <laughs> and they're sort of like the unofficial shoe of San Diego anyway. Everybody sort of wears these things. And don't bat an eye at buying a really good flip-flop for 60 or $70 a pair. So once again, there had to be an economic justification for this. So we then worked on the formulation, and we're now making flip-flops, and we've got a company, a large commercial company that's now going to adopt our stuff and should release in the next six months. But we've also started our own line of shoes. Part of what the problem was is that people want to know, other manufacturers want to know, well, is your material compatible in a factory setting? And it's one thing you can do something on the bench, but does it translate into a factory? So the Blueview shoe, which is part of Algenesis, is really just an experiment in could our material get translated over into a factory, produce shoes that are of high quality? But the other part is going back to what I was talking about earlier. We also do all the biodegradation studies. And so we can show that our materials are degrading because we left in the ester links in our material. That's organic chemistry. Organic piece. chemistry, yes. And so polyesters were known a long time ago, and polyesters were the first plastics that were out there for polyurethanes. The thing is they're subject to what's called acid hydrolysis. So acids will break them down. 
and critters know how to break them down, right? Almost all microorganisms, because of your and my chemistry, rely on these ester links that the biology knows how to attack an ester link. To make polyurethanes more durable, though, the industry switched over to polyether chemistry. And this is a less natural molecule. The critters don't know how to take those molecules apart. And so the polyether polyurethanes last thousands of years. Are these PET bottles and so on? Well, no. So PET is actually a polyester, but because of its crystalline nature, it's hard for the critters to take it apart. There's no place to get in there to get after them. So in that case, it's not about the chemistry, it's about the morphology of these things. Yes, indeed, about 100 metres from here is the office of Ralph Keeling, whose mm -hmm. father developed the Keeling curve mm -hmm. on the spot where we were sitting, the very one that showed how we were asking for a problem with CO2 and climate change. Interesting, isn't it? Yeah, and actually, so UC San Diego has a long history of climate change research, so it was a paper by Roger Ravel and Hans Zeus that studied the dilution of the carbon-14 isotopes that showed that it was building up in the atmosphere, so they did know that this was a potential problem. Then Dave Keeling, Dave was his nickname, you know, he's mm. Charles David Keeling, but everybody... Like you're Skip. <laughs> yes, like I'm Skip, so everybody knew him as Dave around here. So he basically went and decided to gather the CO2 at Mauna Loa because, you know, there you're away from the influences of large cities and it's well mixed. And so the idea was to see this. And the real beauty of what he did, though, was these were exquisitely made measurements that were done so well that you could actually see the diurnal change, right, between day and night and the seasons. And so when you look at that graph, while you see this constant upturn, if you look at it on a magnified scale, you'd see a zigzag by season then a zigzag by day. And we shall meet Keeling's son, Ralph Keeling, who continues that measurement of CO2 next week in the Science Show. And as well, more from Robert Skip Pomeroy and his work at Scripps on using microalgae instead of fossil fuels for making things as well as surfboards.